Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. So today on Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Gitanjali Trevorrow Seymour. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Amy. I'm super excited. Now, let me introduce Gitanjali to you. I think that the best way to describe Gitanjali is that she is taking the concept of possibility to new levels that we do not know exist. Thank you. I like that. I wondered how you were going to introduce me. <laughs> well, you know, I have all the options of neuroscience nerd, executive coach, recovering perfectionist, or professional possibilist, or founder of the High Definition You Learning and Development Company. But I thought, you know what? You are taking possibility to levels that are have not been explored, and you want to take that to over a billion people. So that is what I see. Thank you. I love that. Yes, those billion are out there and I I am making it my life mission to empower them, to move from that state of being stuck, right, to being able to see what's possible and then acting on it. And the irony is they don't even know that you're looking for them, that they are coming for them. (laughs) I'm coming for you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Wherever you are in the world, I'm coming for you. Well, hopefully they're listening right now. So, Explain what it is you actually do. So my role now, I'm kind of on my third life actually, is as an executive coach. And I work with people. I mean, people come to me really for one thing ultimately, and that is to have greater confidence, whether that's because they're a CEO or a very senior executive and they want more confidence with clients, stakeholders, teams, et cetera, or they're an entrepreneur and they want more confidence leadership-wise. It's about confidence ultimately is the underlying thing. So I work with them one-to-one. I work in groups. I work in corporate as well. um, And I empower them to, well, I mean, we'll probably talk about this a little bit more, but it's not so much that C word that I I give them. That's a, a bit of a red herring. That's what they think they need. But there's another C word that they actually need. The dirty truth about the C word. And it is, <laughs> drum roll, please. Drum roll. Well, the dirty truth about the C word is that idea of confidence where, you know, I want more confidence um, or you've been told you need a bit more confidence. You might have had that in your life, Amy, where either you're told and I've been told this as well, like, oh, you're so confident, but you don't feel confident. You want it. You don't know how to get it. And actually, that's not the not the thing that people need. The thing that people need and the thing that I focus on ultimately with them is the other C word, which is courage, you know, and it's that courage to go out of their comfort zone that is ultimately going to make them feel confident, right, ultimately, but you're not going to feel confident um, at the beginning. And it's an output. It's something that people read in you. Gee, she's confident. Oh, gosh, she came across confidently. Um, And you and I both know, you know, you might not feel confident inside. It's something that people read. So I want to refocus the conversation to, to courage and how do I activate that courage and then how do I act on it? You know, and and Mandela is, you know, very, very eloquently said that, um, you know, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the triumph over fear to which I say, I love you, Mandela. But how? How do we actually overcome the fear? And that's really what I do ultimately is reprogram people's brains to overcome the fear, act with courage so that they can change their lives. And why is that important for you? Because I spent a lot of my life in fear. I spent a lot of decades with self-doubt, self-sabotage, low self-confidence, while people were thinking I was confident, right? And it's crippling. It's absolutely crippling because every decision is coming from a place of fear, which leads to this over-analysis and your brain is just shrinking with the exhaustion of overthinking, right? This going over and over and over everything and lying in bed at night and thinking about what I should have said and I could have said and I wish I'd done this and why did I do that? It becomes the new norm. 
And I had decades of that. So I want to, I want to accelerate that for people, accelerate them through that because then you don't need to be stuck in that way of being. You absolutely don't need to be because that's not how our brains are designed and you can reprogram them. You know, neuroplasticity is a wonderful, wonderful thing because it liberates us from this idea that, that because we've always been that way, then we always have to be that way. That's just not true scientifically. That's just been proven in the last couple of decades to not be true. You know, because once upon a time we did think that. We did think that actually by early 20s it was your brain was all of those trillions of neurons were really set up into their billions of neural pathways to um to be that way but now thankfully thanks to technology we can see the brain in motion and we can see oh my god honestly amy it is so beautiful you should google neurons coming together and see what actually happens when those new neural pathways are created it is a thing of beauty and that happens with every thought Yes and no. I mean, every thought sparks it. it it's not necessary. So it, it's going to create, I won't go too much into the science of it, but along the axon, it's going to create a spark. So that connection has pro- probably already been made. Um, but when we're reprogramming uh, your brain, when you're creating new neural pathways, then yes, there's thought, but then there's also having to be consistent about the repetition of it so that your brain goes, oh, oh oh, aha, that's what it is. And I often relate it to, you know, if you consider like a river going along and, you know, at first it's a little trickle and you don't really see the indent, right, as it goes through the the riverbed, there's a little trickle of water. But as it becomes more and more and that that water keeps flowing, it digs it out deeper and deeper and deeper until you don't even need to worry about that that river flowing that way because that's the way it's going to flow. But in the beginning, you've got to really spend much more effort carving out that riverbed, um, which is where habits are formed, right? Which is where we we get into, I want to be different, but I'm, it's really hard and it really, really hurts because our brain doesn't want to, doesn't want to expend the energy, firstly undoing a habit because it's spent however many decades, we won't go into that, um, you know, carving them out and that's taken precious energy and it does not want to, spend energy carving out a new neural pathway and that's where I come in right is is helping you firstly to activate curiosity and understand that that's possible and dream again about what's possible for you and then do the um rewiring which sounds like I'm in there with the little instruments I'm not it's very (laughs) supportive and challenging my methodology so Um, anybody who knows you Katanjali would would not believe that you had years of self-sabotage or lack of confidence because it's just not the the persona that you have it's just not you know you're full of energy and I know that we all have down days so I'm sure that you do too right never yes (laughs) (laughs) they normally involve two men Ben and Jerry yeah (laughs) it's awkward but I'm in a threesome I don't know it but that's what's occurring (laughs) fabulous so why decades why why did it take you so long to to realize that you had this draining life force of of self-sabotaging that was exhausting your brain well firstly I I it was just the way I was so I wasn't curious (laughs) I, I I hadn't I didn't know that I could be curious about that I didn't I didn't have the level of self-awareness. I knew I wasn't getting um, the fulfillment and the happiness and what I wanted, but I, it was okay. You know, I was living my life and I had two other careers before this and, you know, I wasn't sort of sitting at home under the duvet with Ben and Jerry every day. So there wasn't enough of like pain associated with it. Um, so it just became the new norm. And it was really, it was really as a result of, it was kind of five years ago and I was in a hospital bed and I was dying and I had a nine month old at home. And unfortunately the consultant that was standing over my hospital bed didn't know that I was dying. And um, it had been like a year of this. And I ended up in this situation where I had to have emergency surgery. It was incredibly rare, um, massive, like cut down my entire stomach they took photos. It was amazing. They were very excited, the surgeons, because they never had seen it before in person. Um, and it was from that that I went, oh, hold on a second. Firstly, when that happens, right, you're going to start questioning what's it all about and what's the meaning and um, how can I really um, 
love every moment considering it might have been gone and my nine-month-old would have been motherless um but then I got really really curious about why have I been like this like what's the thing in terms of human behavior and what drives us and how do we make choices like how did I end up here nearly dying you know were there moments where I could have made a different choice and um spoken to a different doctor or asked better questions and that is a recurring theme of my work is what are the questions? I mean, talk about your podcast, right? Like what, what are the questions that you're asking yourself about why? Um, not just how can I be better, but why do I want to be better? You know, how can I do this differently? Well, why do I want to do it differently? So then it was like, oh, hold on a second. And then as I started unraveling things, and I've done psychology at university, but once I started unraveling things a bit more around, wait a minute, there's this powerful machine in between our ears and I don't have the operating system for it. I don't have the, the, the cheat sheets. And that's when I got interested about what, what can I do differently? And I don't have to be this way. And then I got really interested in neuroscience and studied with a couple of amazing neuroscientists, both women, and just mind blown. Incredible. And that changed the course of your third career. Essentially. Exactly, which had been accidental anyway. Um, and I had left my banking career, gosh, it's going on eight years ago now. And I had still been in that cycle of low self-confidence. Like who's a friend of mine had said, because I hadn't done coaching in my banking career. Um, and when I left, she said, you should look at doing leadership development and communication skills training. And I'm like, well, what have I got to say about that? And why would anybody pay me? to talk about that anyway you know flash forward eight years I've got quite a lot to say about that and um, people will pay me for that but I was really deeply in that cycle of I don't self-doubt and um not valuing myself and not understanding that where I was right then was enough so I went into what I see a lot of the women that I work with doing is let me get uh, another qualification. Let me do some more study. Let me learn from other people. All very valuable things, by the way, but they were really stalling tactics um, because I didn't feel like I, I had enough value in that moment to contribute to the conversation. And so then that, you know, I got more confident and I, I look now at some of those um like initial notes of things when I was doing initial speaking engagements and, and workshops and the notes and notes and notes that I would write out. And now, you know, to this point where it's like, now I'm confident. Well, there was a lot of courage that had to happen in order to get to that. So that piece around waiting till you feel confident to, you know, the big topics these days around showing up on social media or contributing in a team meeting or putting yourself up for promotion or expanding your business. Never going to happen if you wait till you feel confident. So I forget what you asked, but. <laughs> so, so we've got the confidence, which links very much to the courage. And I want to go back to the curiosity. You said you, you weren't curious. So how mm. do they, how do they all connect? Oh, lots of C's going on here. Lots of C's. Well, that's my methodology is seven C's actually. That's, oh, that's how I work. And it starts with curiosity. It absolutely starts with curiosity, which is where you and I are aligned, right? It starts with curiosity. It starts with the why. Mm-hmm. Um, and why is this important for me? Me, me first, because uh, we do spend a lot of our time, you know, whether you're a parent or not, wondering about why is it, let me make my choices based on what's important for someone else, whether that's your child, your boss, your team, your peers, your clients. Um, so why why is this important to me? And activating that, what, what it does is your, your brain can't be in a state of curiosity and fear at the same time. So when you learn to be more curious than afraid, that's when you start to see things differently. And it's that kind of thing, and the science of it really is that you move out of that fight or flight, which you know about, right, that um, sympathetic nervous system where everything is narrowed down and you can't see the possibilities because you're afraid and your brain is doing what it's designed well to do, and that is to protect you. And this is why you get situations where, you know, if you and I are having a conversation about something, I'm like, oh, it's so annoying and this, 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 and I just can't do this, and you're like, but what about that? Like, why don't you just do that? You know, whether that's on a personal level and you're talking to a girlfriend, you're like, why don't you just leave him? Or, you know, why don't you just do start doing this? 
that's because your brain is looking at that situation from a place of possibility. It's looking at it from your parasympathetic nervous system where you're calm and focused and a wide spectrum of awareness, right? And we can do that for ourselves, you know, so we're not relying on our best friend to say, yeah, but what about this? That's why we can spot it in other people. So the curiosity piece of it um, moves you from that state of fear into being able to, it's like a torch. I often use the analogy of if you imagine a, a beam of a torch is like this, when you're either just, you might not even know you're in a state of fear, you're just working on habits, um, very, very well-crafted habits. And that's just, then that's where I was. I, I wasn't conscious anymore, of, I, you know, having that self-doubt. I felt fear, you know, when I was doing certain things, if I had to stand up in front of you know, our global CEO and his operating committee, and I was in an investment bank. So, you know, you can imagine that audience in terms of the work that I was doing at the time and the projects I was working on. I had fear, but I had so deeply programmed it that I didn't know um, that that's what it was. I didn't know what to do about it. Um, but when you activate it, then, then you start to see things differently, right? And when you start to see those things differently, then you feel like there are possibilities and then you can be empowered to act on them because you and I are aligned around that. It's not about just then going, oh, wow, I have other choices and I can make conscious choices because that's the next C. Um, go from curiosity to a conscious choice. And then, of course, the C after that is courage because <laughs> the conscious choice might not feel particularly comfortable. But it's powerful. It sounds amazing, and and it is amazing. I know it because I I, I live through this. This is this yeah. is all everything I do, and and in terms of taking myself from a position of of this self sabotage and lack of confidence, and and being out of of work for twelve years, raising the children at home, yeah. I definitely lost a lot of confidence. And then when I went back to work, I realised, well, hang on, nothing's changed. What was I thinking? And again, it's just that fear of the unknown. It's a fear of that you know you, you're not as good as other people, that you're not good enough, that other people are much more advanced. And yet, actually, when you dig deep, we're all just you know, level playing field at some point. Yeah, because what you were doing in that situation is what we all tend to do until we realise, and, you know, that's my role as I see it, right, is, is there's thoughts that go through that magnificent brain of ours, thoughts, and those thoughts generate a feeling and those feelings generate behaviour. But this is what we don't do very well. This is what we don't realise and this is the bit where people are liberated. This is what I want to do, liberate them from that overthinking because those thoughts that you had about what if I'm not good enough, etc. that's totally natural. But what we do is we grab hold of that thought and we attach meaning to it and um, it's, like a, it's like a rabbit and we... <laughs> Sounds a bit rude. We have sex with that rabbit and we we populate to lots and lots and lots of little rabbits go bing, 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 bing. And then suddenly that one thought, which is totally natural, doesn't just pass by through our, our neural pathways. We grab hold of it and attach loads of other thoughts to it and suddenly it becomes like this pit in our stomach. Suddenly we have this feeling that turns into a mood and then that truly affects the way that we're making choices and the way that we're showing up and the way we're interacting professionally and personally. So it's totally natural. This is why I want it to be about possibility because so many people say to me, God, you're so positive and I love listening to you. you make me so happy. There's so much positivity. I'm like I, the danger of that is that you feel like if you're not being positive in a situation, then you're not going to be empowered to do things differently. That's not the truth of how our psychological system is created so it's less about am I looking at this positively or am I being negative it's recognizing that that thought whether it's positive or negative is just going to pass unless I grab hold of it and create lots of rabbits from it so it's the labeling yeah yeah well and the additional thinking that goes with it and labeling is powerful to label an emotion. It's powerful for us. It's powerful for the leaders I work with. It's powerful for my children to be able to label the emotion. It's then creating more from that, that, that is the exhaustion bit, right? Because suddenly we're making up a future where you're going back to work. You're not going to be good enough. You're not going to get paid what you're worth. People are going to be laughed. And then we're making up a future that hasn't even existed. And we're paralyzed in the one that we're in right now. 
and then then truly our torch beam is like this and we we can't see anything and your friends will be saying you're going to be great it's going to be fantastic you've got all of this amy and you can't see it and it almost makes you feel worse i i had that you know people are like but you're great at this and and then you feel even worse because people are saying come on you can do it you've, you've got this and you're like oh god i should have i should the s word right i should believe in myself more I should do that because people think I can and that just then you overthink that it's so exhausting that over analysis right and then on top of that for me because you know as you said at the beginning because I'm a recovering perfectionist like whatever it was whatever it was that I was doing I wanted it to be perfect I mean the amount of overthinking that goes along with that is paralyzing so you're a coach now you were a banker before that. What were you first? Just to be clear, I was not a banker. I was not responsible for the global financial crisis. I'd just like that to go on the record. Thank you very much. You were working in banking, sorry. But I did work with, well, I did start in a sales role actually um, in banking. But um, yeah, I didn't end up as a banker. But uh, yeah, so my first, and this was really when I was thinking about, you know, why do I do what I do now and what drives me is it took me straight back to what what um, my very first passion and love was and, and my first uh, career and training. And it all started, and I can still see me now, when I was six and my mom is just epic. I'm one of nine. And we would go left, right and centre to the local theatre, ballet, you know, netball, all of these things. And it was my sister's birthday and we went to the local theatre company for her birthday and I was six. And um, she was seven, year older than me. And we were sitting in a row. You can imagine this nine. Well, at that stage, there weren't nine, but there were always extras that came along. And it was children's theatre, so it was really interactive, right? And at one point, they said, hey, listen, who wants to come down and, and come on stage and help us sing this song? And I'm sitting there, like, I've practically disjointed my arm with my hand up. And my, bless my sister, was sitting there just, like, physically shaking, like, please don't pick me. Obviously, it's her birthday, right? And they know that. <laughs> They're coming up. And she's like, no, no, I'm like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And when I thought about that later in life, particularly when I went to drama school, what I realised was I wanted to be a part of something that created an experience for people that created emotion for people because I could see people in the audience laughing and really experiencing something amazing. What I didn't realize is that certainly didn't realize I'd end up doing what I'm doing. But when, when I went to drama school, again, I cannot even tell you, you had to audition and I got offered a place and that was a crippling, I think it was three and a half weeks. And they said, eventually they rang and they're like, we have to give you a place to someone else unless you, tell us today but I was still like I'm not good enough why did they choose me I can't believe this I'm not going to be as good as everybody else I started too late I did psychology first I'm too old to start I mean oh the rabbits right but I went (laughs) and one of the exercises we had to do was um, why do you want to do this why do you want to be an actor and I found what I wrote because right now going through my attic because, you know, that's important, sorting out all your paperwork when you've got lots of other things going on. There's science behind that, by the way, around why we do that, why we clear out our sock drawer when there's something important that we should be doing. Anyhow, I went through that and all of the boxes that I'd had shipped over from Australia when I finally accepted that I was living in London, having come here for two years, 15 years ago, and I went through all of these folders and all of these exercises and I came across it, like, why do I want to be an actor? And this is what it said, Amy. This is what I said. I want to be the vessel that people can safely sail upon to discover new lands. Wow. And I didn't know then that I would end up here. I just knew that I wanted to be a part of people's stories. I had been fascinated since I was a kid. I'd literally walk along the street looking at people thinking, I wonder what their story is. I wonder, you know, are they a part of a big family? And my the curiosity, right, that we talked about was there. And then it's interesting because so then I had this, you know, fledgling acting career because I had no belief in myself. I was top of my class, by the way, straight A's. And every single one of my teachers was like, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. That's even worse, right? Because I didn't believe it. Not even worse, but that's where I was. Um, 
And then recently, so there's always been that thing in me because that was my first passion. And then recently, a friend of mine that I went to drama school with, who's quite well known in New Zealand, we were talking about it and I was still lamenting the fact that I hadn't fulfilled that potential, that I hadn't actually done the thing that I believed I was born to do. So if anyone's there thinking, you know, what am I doing right now and I should be fulfilling my potential and there's so much more than I can be doing, obviously that's not helping things because you're just beating yourself up. But what I didn't realise then and what she said to me was, and I, I said I'd found this thing, right, and she said, that's great. She said, but when, when we're acting, we get to take people on that journey and we get to help them understand and discover that new land and I'll give you an example of that. For me, it really hit me when, did you ever see Saving Private Ryan? Oh, of course. Right? And I didn't ever have a grandparent that I spoke to about the war or anything like that. But I sat in that darkened theatre and was so profoundly affected by a film made across the oceans by someone I'd never meet that actually gave me an insight into how that was for people on a very deep level and it and it shifted something in me and I remember sitting there thinking because I'd only ever really done theatre god I want to be part of film because that global impact is huge which obviously I have now as well um but the point is she said to me that's great like as an actor we can take people on that journey and we can hold them in that container you know a film theatre whatever it is to discover those new lands she said but what you get to do now is you get to give them the tools to explore that new world. You get to give them the ability to create something when they get there that's different from where they came from. And that was when I realised, oh, my God, like that whole very cheesy kind of looking back, the golden thread for me around why I do what I do is because I want to create change for people. I want to be a part, a catalyst for them and I want to do it in a way that I'm carrying them there but ultimately I'm empowering them when they get there to create an amazing life of abundance and and fulfilling those well creating possibilities and fulfilling them so I do feel so grateful I know you do too for that we get to do what we do right um so I may have finally given up on the Oscar but just uh, check in I don't know when maybe in 12 months time I'm still a little tiny bit in there of like I'm still practicing my Oscar acceptance speech. <laughs> so let's just hear that one more time. What did you write? Say it again, because I just want to hear the words. I said, I want to be the vessel that people can safely sail upon to discover new lands. Wow, it's it's such a beautiful phrase. I just I just I just was thinking about that while you were saying it, and then thinking about as you say, the journey and the the, the sort of connecting the dots backwards the golden thread that's pulled it all together and yet as a child at at sort of six or seven you knew that and yet you don't act on it until you know decades later and and that's not uncommon no no I mean we I don't know that I could have articulated it then as a six-year-old but that beautiful thing that we have that childhood curiosity and irreverence and you know, to a particularly physically damaging, dangerous level of like, I don't, I do, I just want to do this thing and I'm compelled to move forward with it, you know, and then you have to say, don't jump off of that high, you know, ledge, you can't fly. Then that starts to come in, right? And this is where we get into the nature versus nurture debate. Mm. And I've got so many book ideas going around in my head, but one of the ones I want to write is nature, nurture, neuroplasticity, because yes, there's nature. And yes, there's nurture in terms of the conditioning, but also there's an opportunity because of neuroplasticity to reprogram that, which, by the way, is very liberating as a parent. Because as I look at my almost six and three-year-old, like, if I'm really screwing it up, I know that you can reprogram your brain (laughs) later on. So that pressure of like the first five years to condition, 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 I'm like, if I'm getting it wrong, and they are my little experiments, you know, we do all, I do all sorts of things with them around curiosity, around, and my mum said this recently, she's like, God, he just, you know, there's a constant debate and um, going backwards and forwards with, particularly my, my five and a half, almost six-year-old, where he won't just take no for an answer, you know, he keeps wanting to think through it. 
you know, I often say to him, okay, he wants to do something. So tell me why. Give me three compelling reasons, three, three compelling reasons why to activate those critical thinking skills, right? Um, and then it kind of gets squashed along the way. It kind of does. I mean, it's, it's funny because I'm thinking back to when my kids were little. They're in their late teens now. So I remember very vividly them, them asking the why question and it was constant. Yeah. And and my husband and I, actually, I think it was my husband, he he just had this fantastic response one day, which we then adopted as a as a really good tool, which was, well, why do you think? And it, and it switched it right back. And it's similar to what you're saying. Give me three good reasons. And obviously the power of three, a whole different topic. But the... <laughs> Yeah, we haven't got time for everything today. <laughs> um, but the, the the terms of then getting them to think about and provide those solutions is actually a really good tool to have because then they're not looking for those quick answers. They're always challenging things, always exploring things. It's encouraging that growth mindset from a, a young age mm. of potentially, well, I don't know that. So, you know, okay, so how am I going to find out? Mm. What What do I need to do? People can't, if they're listening to this, they can't see it. But behind me is a Yeti because that has been a big part of of my journey and a big part of how I am with my children and my clients, by the way. They know about this. Um, It's on the card, Yeti, set, go. Like you're not ready but and you're not good at that thing, you know, whether it's presenting or leading or delegating or whatever it is, I'm not good at it yet. So that's the shift and I, I love it. I love it because my little six-year-old said it to his three-year-old sister the other day. She's like, I can't do it, mommy. He's like, you can't do it yet. Um, and it's those moments that where it just, um, you see the pathways have been carved, right? That, that riverbed is there. His default now is that it's a yet, not that um, he's not enough, that he can't do it. And that's powerful in a six-year-old it's powerful in a an older person we don't need to name the ages of my clients (laughs) but you know the people that I work with it's powerful it's thinking about the failure isn't it it's thinking about feedback instead of failure and thinking about how that is serving you going forward what is it you're doing that is going to help you to just keep going to to say I don't know how to do that yet and or I'm falling down I'm failing but that's okay that's just feedback just keep going yeah. Oh my God. The F word, the F word, the C word, <laughs> oh, the C word and the F word. We're covering everything. I don't think I'll put that as my title. I don't think that will be. <laughs> <laughs> One some. day when I do a TED talk, I quite like to call it the journey truth about the C word. Um, oh, that's or, where your or, acting skills will come in handy on your yeah, TED talks. Exactly. Think or maybe, um, maybe um, why we should fall in love with the F word. But failure is a really interesting concept because I I am so, particularly in the work that I do at a leadership level and from an organizational perspective, whether that's with entrepreneurs or, you know, I'm working quite a lot with fintech companies. So they've grown up in this way that's different to more traditional ways of, of creating business. But either way, there's this, um, I spoke to one client recently about the F word and he's like, oh my gosh, that's just not tolerated in our organization. You do not talk about it. And I remember that from my banking career. Like you don't talk about failure you don't talk about the things that you don't do well you don't want people to sniff it out that there's some kind of weakness around you right and that translates personally as well as professionally so it ties into the conversation around vulnerability where and actually very simply understanding as you said that failure is feedback and Einstein said it right failure is success in motion so as soon as you stop at that then the you're never going to have that that ultimate success, whatever, and defining what success is, is part of that. But when you can liberate, when we, when we can liberate ourselves from that sense of failure and all of the conditioning that goes around that, then you, again, you can start to see the possibilities. Because the thing where you said, actually, you know, you can do it, you can do it, that's not necessarily enough. Because when our brain is creating new ways of being, it's going to fail right? It's just going to fail. If you think about when you were a kid and you were learning to walk, like you were on your bum more than you were on your feet. Um, And I often use the analogy of driving to help people to understand what's happening when you fail and, and what you can do about it. Because ultimately we start, our brains start in this place of unconscious incompetence so my five-year-old thinks that if we think about driving he thinks that driving is like this but you can't see this if you're listening but it's like the wheels going 
beep, 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 beep. He's not looking at the road. His eyes are going everywhere. You know, if, if, if that's what driving was, then there'd be quite a lot of accidents. Now, I will caveat that with I'm half Indian and I did some work in India last year and there is quite a lot of driving like that, but there's freedom within that framework, which works. But then what happens, or you tell me what happened, Amy, when you started learning to drive. So you didn't know that you didn't know. And then you got in the car and there were three pedals and two feet. And what happened to you? What were you feeling? I didn't know. I didn't have all the tools I needed there and then. And there's so much to look at. There was so much going on and so much input coming in. It was... And how did you feel? Um, so how did I feel? Uh, a little bit overwhelmed, but also mm. sort of secure in the in the fact that I had someone right next to me who was who was an expert so mm-hmm. and and that's that's the way I like to operate I like to sort of learn from the experts and then apply mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what about when you were doing it on your own because you had to practice on your own okay what, was, so, what were you feeling give me the adjectives overwhelmed is one of them what else um actually totally unprepared yeah because my first time in a car, I'd had 10 driving lessons. I passed my test. I then didn't drive for three years. I got a car and I'd never been on a motorway. I'd never been over 50. I'd never got my blind spot. That never came up at any point. I, I, I'd never had the radio on and I didn't, I didn't know anything about driving in the rain. So my first time I then drove um, from my home to my boyfriend's home, now my husband's home, and I found all of those things. So I found my blind spot. (laughs) I, um, yeah, the hard way, I'll I'll overtake once that car's gone past and then I forgot that it was coming past because I couldn't see it anymore. Um, Yeah. And then there was the, the driving in the rain and the radio and a sensory overload. So how did I feel? Um, just totally overloaded it's sort of yeah is it fair to say that you were probably nervous that you were you know afraid that something might go wrong that you were you know as you say that you are overstimulated you were worried right there was a level of anxiety about it well I had uh, my hands probably were in the same position for about an hour after <laughs> I got there because they'd locked they'd locked and they'd like white knuckle ride yes yeah that's so you go right. into this space of conscious incompetence yeah like oh my gosh now I know that I don't know what I'm doing and it's terrifying why didn't you drive for three years out of interest I didn't have a car and I was at university and then I finished mm-hmm. university or well, it was I got it for the last couple of terms and so yeah I, I just so what compelled you it. to what compelled you what why did you need it uh, it, was, I, it was a it was a gift for my 21st mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah my my friend I hadn't driven so my Obviously, you can start driving at 17. For my 18th birthday, all my friends clubbed together and they bought me my 10 driving lessons. So I, I used them. Aww. I passed my test. And then but then I didn't have a car to drive. And I was at university, lived in the middle of a town, so didn't need a car. And then I was, needed a bit more flexibility. Um, so, yeah, that was it. And then so when you were driving to your boyfriend, now husband's house, why did you keep driving if you were overwhelmed, nervous, worried, anxious, terrified maybe of hitting another car? Why did you keep driving? Because our destination, I need. Uh, I knew I needed to get there, so I had a goal, I guess. Mm, yeah, and oftentimes when we're going through that process, the thing that keeps us going is is our why. You know, a lot of people, particularly earlier on, when and this was the same for me, when you're learning to drive, it's your why is your level of independence. You know, you didn't want to turn the car around on that motorway and have to say to someone else or to your boyfriend, you need to come to me. Mm. We're even if we're not conscious of it, we know why we're doing something. So our brain has a very strong reason to work through what is ultimately failure. Ultimately, us doing something, not doing it well, feeling afraid, activating what's called our sympathetic nervous system. And then so that we don't just stay there and stay stuck, it goes, yeah, but why? But why is this important? Well, I don't want my parents dropping me off at a party, you know, if you're 17. You know, I want independence. I want to be able to drive and and see my boyfriend. So then your brain goes, okay, there's something at play here that's important to, to me, to us. Let's do this thing. Let's go again. Let's get in the car again. And then, as you say, we activate all of these things. This is the way to get through failure is to firstly recognize that that's totally natural, all of those feelings, and then to say, okay, well, how did I get through that? You said you had an expert, you know, sitting next to you. You learned from others. You 
and this is crucial, you celebrated the things that you were doing well. You didn't just focus on the crap. You you managed that parallel park and you're like me, you're like, yes, I nailed it. And that, by the way, activated your mesolimbic pathways, which is the reward function. Your brain was like, ooh, actually there's something here more than the fear. Let, let me see what else is here. So when we're failing now in our lives, it's so valuable to look back on times when we failed before, but ultimately pushed through that and not even pushed through that because I don't want there to be this sense of just keep going, just get back in the car, just do it, just stand up on stage, just show up on social media, just do that live, just get that promotion. It's not that. It's it's there's a level of kindness to yourself to say, oh, I remember what that crazy Australian girl said. I'm just in this bit where I am consciously incompetent. I'm actually experiencing failure. Because then what happened when you did all of that and you got through that motorway, then you go through to consciously competent. And how did you feel when you were like, I'm doing it? How did you feel? Oh, it's, it's great. You know, you feel perfectly in control and then, then you can start thinking about other things because, you know, you yeah. don't, it's, you, you've pushed it to a different level. So you're not actively um, needing all of your resources to do what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And how did you feel? What, what, what did you feel? When you got there to your boyfriend's place. Oh, it's great. Through the rain and the blind spot. Yeah, with the white knuckles and the yeah. uh, grit, the gritted teeth and things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually never drove back home. I stayed in London. I... <laughs> so I've been here ever since. Because <laughs> you were too terrified to drive again. And that is the beautiful story of your marriage. I basically 25 never years later. <laughs> <laughs> I've never got back in the car. I mean, oftentimes that's when we feel confident. You're like, I feel really confident. I'm doing it. I'm driving. I'm changing gears. I'm doing a hill start. I'm doing it. So that's the overriding theme that I want people to understand about the F word is you're going to experience all of that. The confident bit of it is going to come by you recognizing all of those emotions, tapping into your why, which is why I love your podcast so much. Tap back into your why because that's what's going to get your brain to keep coming back and building those riverbeds so that you know how to, you know, do a hill stop, a parallel park, et cetera. But in our world, you know, when we grow up, so you know how to have those difficult conversations. So you know how to step up and be more visible, X, X, X. And that conscious competence, oh, it's lovely, right? And then this is the beautiful bit. This is where your brain's done what it is magically designed to do. You move into unconsciously competent. And that is when you're driving and you drive home and you don't know which way you took. You did not even conscious of the route. Just to be clear, not because you were drink driving. Just to be clear, I do not condone drink driving. Um, get an Uber. Uh, you're in consciously, um, unconsciously competent. You don't have to think about it. And the interesting thing there is oftentimes we think we're doing things quite well. And this is what's so disturbing to us in terms of failure is we end up in a situation where we thought we knew what we were doing and it's almost like we're now driving on the other side of the road. So we're doing something and I lived in the States for a while and that was how it was for me. I'm like, I thought I knew how to drive. I'm back in consciously incompetent. So just know, just know that your brain is magnificent. Your innate intelligence is adaptive and creative and it is designed designed to be resilient it is designed to move you through those processes if you activate the curiosity tap into your why and make those conscious choices and then of course do it with courage um, ultimately you're going to get to that space and then guess what you're going to end it back up there again but you've got you in you have everything you need within you I know that sounds evangelical but ultimately that's me giving people the tools when they get to that land to empower them uh, for when I'm not there with my little babies and they fly off my clients by themselves and there you're empowered because that is completely how we designed as human beings and that that psychological system that innate intelligence otherwise we'd all still be crawling so your mission 
to take possibility to the billion people. It's a shame you haven't got any passion behind this, Katangeli. I know. I'm working on that, Amy. Thanks for uh, thanks for that feedback. I'm going to take <laughs> that feedback on board. I'm not going to see it as a failure, and I'm going to I'm going to journal about that tonight. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to journal about that. <laughs> so have the courage to be curious and and not afraid is is just yeah. I, I totally get where you're coming from and. Would you think that you would be doing what you're doing had you not had your near-death experience? Would you be questioning everything as much as you were? I don't know. It's hard to say because that would have been a very different reality. Would I be doing what I'm doing if I hadn't, you know, failed at my acting career? Would I be doing what I'm doing if I hadn't, you know, managed a multi-million pound P&L and learned how to deal with, you know, difficult conversations? I, I. I guess ultimately when I think of there's not one catalyst, that was a profound ultimately year because I was so incredibly unwell in my life. And I guess that's a big part of what I really encourage people to understand is that, you know, oftentimes we're waiting for that thing that's going to give us the courage to act differently. And, you know, whether that's, oh, I'll wait until I'm, you know, 10 pound lighter and then I'll do my, um, you know, Instagram live or whatever, you know, I'm waiting until I'm a certain age till I ask for that promotion. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But what tends to happen is these big shifts happen in our life, right? Like something happens to us or someone that we love, someone that we love gets incredibly unwell and we're like, screw it. I'm just going for it now because what I want to give people is, is that level of not urgency, but empowerment to like, what are you waiting for? I mean, that's what I often say, right? If not you, then who? And if not now, then when? What are you waiting for to act as the catalyst to create change in your life? Whatever that thing is, imagine it, dream it, cre- don't create that trauma, but imagine that that's happened and then take that as your starting point. Don't wait until you nearly die. Don't wait until your mum gets Parkinson's. Don't wait. What can you do now without also this pressure of there having to be an epic catalyst? Because I didn't know what the meaning was of my 15-year banking career. And, you you know, you, your listeners might be in the same situation. It's easy for me to say now because I know what my purpose is. But that was decades in the making. And that's okay. If you can't articulate your why right now, and I work with people. I had a conversation with one woman last week about that. What's my purpose? How do I figure out my purpose? And I can do that. Come and see me. We can talk. Absolutely. But please don't allow that to to be the bottleneck in moving forward and being curious and just spotting some possibilities, trying, failing, moving through to consciously competent. Because otherwise there's this overriding thing because purpose is such a big part of our language now, right? I don't have my purpose. I need a purpose that we can sometimes get stuck. You know, if I'd got stuck in that in my banking career and was like, what's the meaning and what's the purpose? And uh, then that joy might not have been there of what I was experiencing in the present moment. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, was it the catalyst? Would I have been where I am now? Probably not, but there are a lot of other things that I can recognize now that have brought me to this to this place and aren't we so lucky to have found you ah thank you (laughs) I honestly I feel so grateful and and this mission to to really you know before I leave this earth hopefully not anytime soon because I'm not quite close to the billion as I want to be but to really empower people to liberate them from that overthinking just so that they can actually truly experience joy and possibility and um, all of that that wonder that we had as a child without the fear that's um if I can manage that and one person a day one person a day hopefully one of your listeners today will be that person that um you know I've changed something in them and they're going to act with courage and do something a little differently tomorrow or today and how will that make you feel Oh God. I mean, I, it will make me feel grateful. It will make me feel grateful that I get to do that for other people, that I get to give them that so that they don't have to experience the, the fear and the, 
angst and the anxiety and the stress. It doesn't have to be that way. It just doesn't. That's not how we're designed. And yeah, there's some conversations you might need to have around that to come back to alignment. Wow. But it truly does not have to be like that. Yeah. And I think that is just such a great message to to sort of almost finish up on and, and say thank you so much for the energy that you've put into this podcast and the emotion that you've put into this podcast. You know, you literally are giving everything to to delivering what you are believing is needed and you know we we do thank you for that and it is not going unnoticed and we're very grateful for everything you're doing and how would people get in touch with you Gitanjali? Um, uh, you can find me on Instagram. I probably don't spend too much time there. <laughs> Search me on Instagram. You'll probably put the links anyway. Um, I've just started on Facebook, so you can find me there on all the social media platforms or LinkedIn. If you're more on the corporate side of things, find me there. Um, I'll just go to my website, highdefinitionu.com and you can contact me there because however I can be of support, then I want to be. Um, and when people can let me know what they need even more, then I can get just so much more focused on making sure that they have that in real time. So it's not, you know, oh, in a year or in a decade, I'm going to do this differently. So as a professional possibilist, how can you finish this podcast for us today? What I'd love to leave you with is the idea that Firstly, to be more curious and afraid because you're going to spot the possibilities and that's going to give you endless amounts of opportunity and abundance and fulfillment. And then ultimately, the thing I want to leave you with is the idea that the same boiling water that hardens the egg softens the potato It's not actually the circumstances that make a difference. It's what we're made of. And you are made of so much wonder. And that's what I'd like to leave you with. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star iTunes review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook and become a member of the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.